Hello folks and welcome to the House of True Crime podcast. Tonight we are going to go over my first ever podcast and we're going to be talking about a very, um, I would say peculiar, peculiar, I can't even speak, peculiar kind of thing that happened over in Russia. Now, this is the first episode, so please bear with me. It's not going to be the best, but it also won't be the worst. I'm your host, Royce. A little bit about me, and I guess why am I starting this podcast? Well, a little bit about me is just I'm not going to put too much out there. But um, I'm almost 30. Uh, getting older, knees starting to hurt and creak a little bit more. Uh, I'm also very into, I guess you could say, true crime, cold case, detectives, you know, trying to figure out the, the case, unsolved cases, things of that nature. I've always been fascinated by... And I want to preface how I say this because I am no not fascinated by what serial killers do. I'm fascinated by the psychology of serial killers. You know, you have um, Ed Kemper, Ted Bundy. Um, those are like the, the two major ones that I, I really look hard into. And we're going to dive deep into, you know, your Charles Mansons and, you know, cult leaders and cult cases that are uh, old and new, things of that nature. Reason why I'm starting this podcast is because I've always had an itch. I always wanted to actually get on a podcast and speak on something I was passionate about. And I've tried to dabble here and there. Then I started looking into the true crimes kind of kind of deal. Especially with the work that I do. I drive around a lot. I deliver packages, things of that nature. And You know, I need something to listen to. And what better thing to listen to when you're dry, especially during, you know, the fall, leaves are falling, Halloween is around the corner, that chill that goes down your spine when October is around the corner. And it's it's not because of dressing up and 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 wearing spooky costumes. It's the it's the the, the, the the smell of October is different. The chill of October is different. Everyone's talking about their pumpkin spice lattes. and You know, I'm over here watching documentaries on serial killers and, you know, horror movies and, you know, things of that nature. So this podcast is... To scratch that itch, 
to deep dive and you know look into some of these murders some of these uh, crimes that have been committed that haven't even been solved uh, because a lot of cases if many of you don't know go unsolved for years at a time so why am I starting this the same reason why you're listening true crime that itch that some of us have it doesn't mean you're a bad person some of this stuff is also to bring light well not light but bring to light things that may have been missed or things or remembrance of the victims that's what podcasts are for I know many true crime make light of situations by laughing and and, and being kind of silly about it and being silly about the supernatural this podcast isn't to make fun and laugh this is a serious podcast to, to dive in and get your opinion some of the things we're going to talk about is, is this first one we might be talking about possible ufos conspiracy theories military experiments gone wrong things of that nature that we just don't know and we may never know or come to find out we figure out something and then you know I disappear and come to find out I recorded something that was true and here we are so without further ado for our first podcast we are going to jump into some of you may have heard this the incident that happened in Russia the Soviet Union um, I'm not sure if I'm gonna say the names right um, so please forgive me if I uh, say the wrong names but this is an incident that happened in the Soviet Union and Russia that still to this day is pretty much not really solved it was determined one thing but when I go over some of the uh, the things that'll make you kinda question you know what uh what some of this stuff means so what incident am I talking about well we are gonna dive into the diet love di- diet love pass incident. Now, if those of you don't know, if you want to look it up, look up the diet love um, pass incident. Uh, I've took some notes. I'm gonna be reading. If you can obviously go on Wikipedia, you can look up some of the photos. I looked at some of the photos, and oh boy. Uh, some of them as we'll get into and describe and this is not a podcast for children this is for adults we're gonna actually talk about some of the gruesome things that happen um, this one won't be as bad and just raise some questions but as we go into some of the serial killers and you know some of the cold cases out there and 
you know, finding, you know, bodies in the woods, you know, uh, this is not for children. So, why am I starting off with this? Because it kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger and it just makes you wonder. It just, it takes you on a journey, this, this particular incident. And it almost feels like a movie, almost. But it really happened. And so, let's jump right into it. So what is this about? Well, nine Russian hikers died in the northern Ural Mountains between February 1st and February 2nd in 1959. Now, I don't know how to pronounce their their first names that well, but I really don't know how to say their last names. I am a true American, and I suck at it. So, for any Russian listeners, I'm sorry. I just suck at names, and I can't change that. And just, if you know how to say the names and their last names, then by all means, you know, just, just say it while I'm, you know, butchering it. No pun intended. Wow. Anyway. So these nine individuals, technically there were ten. There were nine Russians who died. So uh, the names were Igor, Yuri, uh, Lyud, Lyudmila. Uh, this one looks like Georgie. I'm just going to say Georgie. Alexander, Zeneda. Rustam Nikolai Simeon. And the last one's name is Yuri Yudin, who actually ended up leaving right before this incident, which we'll get into which we'll get into that. So this group of people they're pretty much going on like a ski kind of expedition for their institute that they were attending. Uh, so they pretty much they arrived by a train at a town called Ivdel on January 25th, 1959. Uh, obviously, if you can set the scene here, it's a mountain with snow. It's cold as hell, <laughs> right? So just imagine these ten most likely happy-go-lucky. You know, I'd say they're in their maybe 20s. Um, I didn't really look up their, their ages, but just imagine they're in their 20s probably. Uh, maybe early to mid, going on this ski expedition. Expedition, right? Probably without a care in the world, just focused on, hey, we're going to go on this expedition for our institute. Um, I don't know exactly why they were going on an expedition. I didn't look too too far into exactly like what was transpiring into them going. Um, I think it was to uh, get us, get certified certified and something, whatever. Right? I digress. So these nine individuals they arrive in this town, Ivdel, January twenty fifth, nineteen fifty nine. After they arrive. They get into a truck, headed to Visa, 
which is a village that is the last inhabited settlement to the north over where they're at in Russia. Now, when they get to this village, they eat loaves of bread, so that way they keep the energy up. So, you can imagine, they walk into, you know, what might be like a cabin, restaurant cabin, right? Just, you know, let me get a loaf of bread, right? And just eating loaves of bread, so that way they can keep the energy, you know, ready to go up this mountain. It's snowy, gear, tents ready to roll up right and on january 27th they begin you know their trek toward gora Watorten. right now as they're about to begin the next day on the 28th remember i said that the one of the the uh people ended up leaving so yuri yudin he ended up turning back so as they started the trek uh, Yuri Yudin started having some health issues, which he was prone to have. Um, apparently, I believe he was having like some knee pain and issues, so he ended up turning back, um, only because of health problems. And I mean, that might have been his luckiest day ever, because after that, that's the last time they were seen alive until they were found. So. What prompted this? They go, and before leaving, you know, um, Igor, he pretty much tells, you know, Yori, that he'll send a telegram, you know, to the sports club around February 12th. And then later he tells Yuri that, you know what, that might not be, you know, might not be accurate. It might be might be later than that, right? Victoria Yuri Yudin might be longer for him to send this telegram. Twelfth comes around and there's no telegram, which no one raises any suspicion. It's like, you know, it's snowy, it's cold, it's windy. Probably, you know, if they're up there, they probably haven't either either gotten to the place that they needed to get to. And it also takes a couple of days for them to get there. Okay. It was on the 12th. On February 20th, there's still no telegram. So, relatives demanded a search. So, from the Institute, the Institute gathered a search party, a rescue party, teachers, students, to look for these nine individuals who went up this mountain. Like, where, where are they? Right now, they just, they went up. They disappeared. No one's heard from them. It's now 20th of February. Eight days from when they're supposed to send the telegram. So you could just imagine. Could you imagine being a relative of that person? And, you know, you come down on the 12th or like, hey, have you heard anything from them? No, but usually it's fine. It's common. And then a couple of days go by, you know, like still nothing. Like, probably within, like, that, that second to third day, you're kind of worried, right? Like, what is going on? Where, where's my family at? You know, friends trying to figure out where are they? 
horrible feeling and horrible situation to be in. So, they gather up, like I said, teachers and students, and eventually the police get involved. On the 26th of February, searchers found the group's abandoned camp. So not only did they not start searching until the 20th, they didn't find the camp until February 26th. As they found this camp, they noticed that the tents were cut from the inside. There were clothes left behind, and that there were tracks that suggested that that they left the camp without shoes, socks, any other right attire to even combat against the elements. Can you imagine that? They didn't have on socks, shoes. They cut from the inside of the tent to get out of the tent. They didn't use the front, which either meant that the front was blocked, there was a frantic, there was a panic. They cut themselves out from the inside of a tent to get away from something. The police reported there they were nine sets of footprints. Nine sets of footprints running in different directions with no shoes, no socks, clothes left. Now, as they continued this search, at the forest edge under a Siberian pine tree, they found remains of a small fire. Okay. So they walk up to this pine tree and they find a small, like little remains of a small fire, which most likely indicates someone was trying to get warm. With that small fire remains, there were two bodies found. Georgie and Yori. Both were shoeless and in their underwear. Now, as the search continued, they looked around this area, they looked up at the tree, and you could tell that maybe one of them climbed up that tree because some of the branches were broken about five meters high. They were more likely, most, more than likely looking for, you know, if they got lost, looking for the camp, um, looking for um, maybe a nearby something. Right, just trying to get eyes in the snow. It probably was dark when they were looking or whatever. Right, so they climbed this tree. Branches were broken, you know, so it was determined somebody went up there and, and was looking for something. Now, obviously, it was determined that they had died from hypothermia. They didn't have any, any, any other cause of death. They didn't have any bludgeoning they didn't have any craziness going on it just they were, they were frozen pretty much so they died of hypothermia now as they continued the search between the pine and the camp um, 
As they searched, they found three more corpses. They found Igor, Zeneda, and Rustam. Uh, they were positioned in a way that suggested that they were attempting to go back to the tents. Right? So, hypothermia, they found frozen ice, snow, things like that, right? Now, Royce said this is a true crime podcast. This makes no sense. Like, obviously, there was an avalanche, right? Obviously, there was an avalanche. So, where are you going at with this? Well, if you keep listening, I'll describe to you why this is so weird and bizarre and why this deserves to be a true crime um, thing. Because as we go further into, remember, I said there were nine bodies found. So far, we found Igor, Zeneda, Rustam, Georgie, and Yuri. That's five. We still have four more bodies to look for. As I go into these, it's kind of weird how they were found. So, and if you're a little squeamish, I'm going to describe some of these things. Just heads up. Um, it almost sounds like a movie scene. You've probably seen, you probably have covered your eyes. So, just be prepared that we get to what they found and why this case has been so eerie and weird. And even though, you know, everyone can conclude it was one thing, you can't really conclude it. And I'll tell you why. So, the other four bodies were found four months later, on May 4th, under four meters of snow in a ravine, 75 meters further in the woods from the pine tree. Three of the four were better dressed than the others, which is suggests that some of the clothes were taken from those who had already died. Just think about that. It's obvious, right? Well, Royce, yeah. Well, the other bodies died. They took their clothes, tried to keep warm, survival instincts, yada, 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 right? No argument with you there. Um, and as we go in, like, uh, Lyudmila was wearing Georgie's burned and torn pants and her foot and shin were wrapped in a torn jacket now interesting pants burned now we didn't mention anything about burn marks on the other victims that were found no one's really burned but, but the pants had burn marks on them. Just kind of weird. Whatever. Maybe got caught in a fire. They put it out or something. I don't know. But pants were burned. She was wearing his stuff. Which checks out which why. You know. Georgie was most likely just laying in his underwear. As they found him. Right. So. If you stayed this long. You're, you're probably like on the thing. Like, oh, where is this going? Like I don't understand. Like, never heard this story before. It just sounds like an avalanche. These kids were found. Whatever. Come on, if you were stayed this long, then this is where it gets interesting. So, 
A medical examiner found no injuries aside from Rustem, who had a pretty much a small crack in his skull. But it wasn't significant enough to be fatal. So from the other bodies that we've talked about, right? Rustem was the only one that had a small crack in his skull, but it wasn't it wasn't enough to be a failed blow, right? Maybe he fell, maybe something hit him, whatever. Just a minor crack, right? Nothing too major. Now, when they examined the four other new bodies they found months later, this is where things got interesting. Nikolai had major skull damage. Like, huge skull damage. You can even look up some of the pictures and kind of kind of look through and see what, what they look like. Now, Lyudmila and Simeon had chest fractures. Now, there wasn't any force caused to the chest, right? Like, there wasn't no... When I mean, like, force caused, there wasn't any, like, stab wounds. There wasn't any bruising there wasn't any like you know anything that went in and out none of that stuff their chests were fractured now from what they said is the force to cause the chest damage that they had sustained was likened to if you were in a car crash that's a lot of pressure to crush your chest right still Right, still's like, but that still doesn't make any sense while we're talking about this because you know, there's no external wounds, which kind of suggests high level pressure. You know, avalanche coming right for you, boom, whatever. Let's go back to Lyud Mila. I don't know, I'm saying her name wrong. I'm just gonna call you Mila. Mila, okay, Mila was found not only with her chest fractured she was found missing her tongue her eyes part of her lips as well as facial tissue and a fragment of skull bone now when I'm talking about her tongue was missing it wasn't as if like she bit her tongue off right because maybe maybe she bit her tongue off because of an avalanche right now no 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 that's not what happened she was found with her tongue pretty much ripped out from the root yes with her eyes missing and part of her lips just don't think it was avalanche huh no right Simeon was also missing his eyeballs just straight up gone blackness no eyes in the eye socket none of that the last corpse that was found, Alexander, was missing an eyebrow, which was determined happened post-mortem. What 
in heck do you believe an avalanche could do that some speculated well maybe it was a uh, animal that maybe ripped your tongue out what animals ripping your tongue out from the root and case in point they could kind of figure that that shit out like this shit isn't like just something that's just like this this is where it's very peculiar it's weird and and what makes it even weirder is that the other bodies that were found were just like hypothermia found frozen just without clothes on dead right you know little injuries here and there but when you get to to this last four an eyebrow is missing that is determined to be post-mortem was taken post-mortem missing tongue eyes lips and fragment of skull bone another person missing his eyeballs you tell me what avalanche is doing that right now obviously this was concluded that natural causes caused the death of this group right like natural causes this is this is this is this was the act of an avalanche 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 right now as time went on many people have been speculating they weren't satisfied there was even at a point where this investigation was was rushed Right, it was like, all right, let's get this investigation over. All right, call it a day, whatever, cool, whatever. Right. Now, thirty years later, Lev Ivanov, who was an officer on the case, published an article in the 1990s that included his admission that the investigation team had no rational explanation for the incident. He also stated that. After his team reported that they had seen flying spheres, he then received direct orders from high-ranking regional officials to dismiss this claim. Now, you see, this is where we get into conspiracy theories, right? We get into UFOs and aliens and, and all these other things. So, you know, because obviously it was an avalanche, right? And But no one can convince me would ever be able to convince me that an avalanche did that to those bodies. I'm going to give you another reason why. Right? Why I don't also think it was an avalanche. So, obviously avalanche is the theory, right? You know, we're going to go into theories here. Avalanche is what caused it, 100% is what it was. They were able to get to the campsite and nothing showed any signs of an avalanche. There's pictures of when the group arrived at this campsite and pretty much everything. And the tents weren't covered in snow. Okay. They found the campsite within what they started looking on the 20th. They found it on the 26th. They found the campsite without any problem. 
it wasn't like it was covered up under anything under a lot of snow they found like this little red tent sticking out or a ski sticking out the thing and went to dig and had to dig the campsite out no it was perfectly fine and then the bodies that were found were only under a shallow amount of snow four months to find the other bodies that really when you look at and you research the the area that they were in they weren't that much far apart from each other so and if it was an avalanche the avalanche would have swept that camp away it would have swept those bodies further away than what they are if you go and look up how far they were it'll tell you exactly how far they were they were only a few hundred like kilometers away from pretty much each other they were within range of the camp you know it even said that some of them were 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 their the way their bodies were positioned looked like they, they were trying to get back to the camp so avalanche to me is obviously the scapegoat answer right oh another one oh and before we get past the avalanche thing too another thing to note is that after this incident there has been over 100 expeditions since the incident and there has not been a avalanche that has occurred since then. Now, this area isn't prone to avalanches or or a huge avalanche that needs to be reported, right? Maybe like a small little rolling of snow, you know, maybe like a little snowstorm here and there. A little bit of snow falls down. Oh, no. Right. Like, that's it. The next theory we go into is a military test gone wrong. There's speculation that there was some kind of military testing going on because, 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 <laughs> there was apparently found on some of the clothing of the victims radiation. Um, so some are speculating like maybe that they were, you know, ran across a military experiment and they were shutting them up whatever the case may be right um which to me is a little bit far-fetched but could be true right because even it was uh it was reported that even at the funerals of the victims they had a orange tone to them in their hair were gray now if you look more into it that could be because of the you know being you know frozen mummified pretty much because of the snow being covered in snow for as long as they were you know could you know um, give them that discoloration but their some of their clothing had traces of radiation on it um, which you know it could be it could be a Russian military cover-up thing gone wrong Whatever the case may be. Um, and then the other one that they have that I thought was very interesting 
was a paradoxical undressing. Now, apparently, what this is it has to do with hypothermia. So I'm going to read exactly what this says. So, um, with hypothermia, it can induce a behavior known as paradoxical undressing, in which hypothermic subjects remove their clothes in response to perceived feelings of burning warmth. It is undisputed that six of the nine hikers died of hypothermia. However, others in the group appear to have acquired additional clothing from those who had already died, which suggests that they were in a sound enough mind to try and add layers. So even if you try that theory, it's like, well, the other pretty much four, you know, took clothing from the other bodies to try and at least survive you know survival instincts you know we're gonna try and stay alive as long as we can as long as possible so i mean that could have been a thing in the beginning but they put clothes on you know um Layu, uh mila uh had a had a had her ankle her foot and her shin wrapped in a in a, in a, in a torn jacket right so, but then, even, like, the way that they died, like, the last four, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. And then even to have, even if we don't even look at that injury, if we just look at, like, the, 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 the chest injury, like, you know, something hit them so hard and so fast, right, that it was almost like a, a, a car crash. That's insane. Now the last theory that we have, and I mean, listen, anything is possible from UFOs, and you know, UFOs apparently were sighted in that area many times. Little green, glowing spheres. Um, many of the police, many of the military reported it. Many of the townsfolk reported it. And they would see green spheres in the sky, and and then they would take off and head to the north. And each time it was reported, it was reported the same way. You know, it could be any of these things. But the last thing that was noted was a possible Yeti, you know, Bigfoot, right? Um, and very interesting that these people went on this expedition. They had cameras. They had um, different recording equipment. And apparently nothing was was said to be found on there. Now, if you look at um, one of the pictures, you know, you got to take things with a grain of salt on the Internet. One of the pictures that was taken of the group there was a blurred out picture of a you know figure that was unidentified it looked like it was falling now it could have been one of them was far away and they took a picture of them or it could have been a yeti you know i mean i would believe that before honestly an avalanche and i'll tell you why freaking woman's lips and uh, eyebrow and eyes and tongue were ripped out of her freaking mouth. Like, what kind of animal does that? 
what kind of animal does that? I mean, I could even believe more of a military experiment that was being experimented on and they wanted to hush him up, but they wanted to make it look like something weird happened or something completely different. So they went ahead and did that. Whatever the case may be, I could believe those before I believe in avalanche. And this is why this belongs in the true crime category. Because when you think about it, it makes you ask questions of what really happened up there. You know, there was even some theories of the, you know a tribe in that area, uh, or a village in that area, was the the culprits. I don't know if I believe that. But it could have been. Unfortunately, the only people that know what really happened on that mountain are the nine individuals who did not make it off of that mountain. And this is why this belongs in the true crime category. Because it's unsolved. It's been closed and reopened and closed and reopened over the years. I think the latest it was open was 2019. It was reopened um, to, you know, have other people look into it more because it's still such a bizarre thing of how these last four bodies were found. Now, if the last four bodies were found, as in they died of hypothermia, they went on here, they're covered in snow, it would have been just easier just to say, hey, listen. You know, this was um, this was determined to be a avalanche. You know, just but you can't just rule out everything and anything because eyes were missing, tongues were missing, and eyebrows missing afterwards. Like who takes a freaking eyebrow? And it happened post mortem, which this person or thing or whatever took it after this person had already died this is why I'm starting off house of true crime with this episode bizarre things happen in the world everyday things around us people we think are neighbors and friends Maybe monsters on the inside. We don't know. We just hope that we don't become the victim of them. It's really scary when you look out there and you even hear some of the accounts of some of these things that happen. Whether it's a story like this where, you know, these... People go up to a mountain and then all of a sudden they're found dead. But it just wasn't just found like a regular natural event. No, things were taken and ripped out and gone. You have other instances where, you know, you wake up one day and, you know, someone's arresting your neighbor. And you're looking at them like, why are they getting arrested? This is weird. And you find out on the news, they killed 20 people and or raped 15 women or whatever the case may be and a lot of us would sit there and say I would have never known 
This podcast is a look into the minds of them. We're also going to look into, you know, FBI profiling tactics. We're going to look into local police tactics. We're going to, we are going to dive deep and understand what makes a true crime happen what makes the mind of a serial killer what makes evidence not make sense we're going to discuss all of these things so if you like what you've been hearing this is our first episode we're going to release these every friday the first couple episodes I will most likely do uh, three kind of back to back maybe every other day and then uh, as we get to four and five we will continue to release them every Friday to get you creeped out going to your weekend becoming that neighborhood watch looking and trying to find the next person but just know that person may just be watching you. This is Royce. This is House of True Crime. I'll catch you on the next episode. See you there.